Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. We're just going to get into the word. Y'all ready for the word tonight? Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to come and break bread with your people. We just ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe, Father, that submitting to you leads us to wisdom and to life abundantly. So, Father, we posture our hearts tonight in your name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. Is, are we good on the microphone tonight? keeps going in and out on me here. All right, so we're going to get into this. I want to, uh, first of all, thank everybody last week for coming. How many was uh, a part of the service last week or had a chance to go back and visit our vision meeting? So uh, listen, so I, I realize that we had a lot of people out last week, and that's just kind of the nature of where we're at right now, but um, I need you to go back and watch that. Um, if your heart's here, how many can say, my heart's here at VC? You're here. God put you here. It's your assignment. If that's the case, I need you guys to to really go back, look at the vision statement. I've done something I've never done before, and that was a, I don't think it was a PowerPoint, but it was something my wife helped me put together to where it was very organized. Now, I'm a shoot from the hip type guy, and uh, this is, <laughs> it wasn't a shoot from the hip. It was a shoot from the Word document or whatever she put together. And uh, I was struggling, but I, man, I made it through by the grace of God. So, uh, but it was very ordered and structured, and it was um, a little lengthy, but we got all the points across. And we talked about where we're going, what it looks like in the next year, all of those things. How many are ready to go to the next level? Amen. So without infrastructure, that's not going to happen. That's wishful thinking. So we have to put things um, together. And we talked about three elements, and I'll just give you a brief summary uh, for you three ways that you can help us get to the next level if your heart's truly with us, right? Number one is serving, a heart that's willing to serve. We have several different areas we're deficient in, um, and we are putting that together now. The infrastructure, I have a meeting with our team coming up this weekend, um, or this week, excuse me, and then uh, giving is another one, faithful in your giving. Um, that's really, really important as well. You need to ask yourself, while you're looking for a future to change and all these other things, are you sowing into that? Um, God gives seed to the sower, not the keeper. Seed to the sower. I promise you, a lot more comes when you steward the things he gives you. Um, and so, uh, when he knows that he can get resources through us, then he'll position us to do things greater than what we're doing. Amen, somebody? So, that's a biggie. So, giving, what do we say, uh, serving, and then the ministry of presence, I called it, but attendance. Just being faithful in showing up to the local church. You know, we, we meet once a week. It's not like when I was growing up. If anybody 40 and up, let, let, let me tell you something, y'all. I, I, I done did more church. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, what was it, Sunday morning? Sunday school. Sunday school, y'all. We'd go to Sunday school, and then we'd have 11 to 12, 12.30 would be a main service. Out of there, we'd go to the soup kitchen. I'm just telling you my routine in, in, in Anders Street Church of God. We'd go to the soup kitchen, and I'd have to feed people that was homeless, and we, my mom made sure we did Then we'd leave there and go to the nursing home. And the nursing home always freaked me out when I was a kid because um, they, would, they would, like, chase me. And it, so it, it like, it... Listen, it, it freaked me out. My mom actually asked if she could take the kids to the nursing home tomorrow. I said, no. I don't want them coming back terrified. I have to, I have to make sure that I see what nursing home you're taking them to because there's, there's biters in the one that you took me to. And so, um, yeah, there was biters. I got bit twice. And so, um, so we did that. So we did. Then we'd go back and do Sunday night church, and it was called Terry Church. And if you didn't... If the presence of the Lord wasn't in the place, they would teach you how to speak in tongues. Start out with Shundai, and then it works its way up. And uh, I'll never forget it. And, um, and then we had Tuesday night Bible study, and then that was another Terry service. And, um, and then Wednesday night was another Bible study, something like that, something, something. They, they got titles for everything. And then, uh, and then you know, we'd, we'd have Friday night revival service. You know, and so I, literally I was in church all the time. So y'all are getting it easy. Saturday night at 7. Thank God for vertical encounters. 
So, um, you know, and the beauty of it is we're not losing any fellowship. We're still growing in God even more. Sometimes you can exhaust yourself in the ritual of church and lose the spirit of it. So um, I thank God. So it's one day a week. So really commit. That's, that's, that was the three points that we brought up. Faithful in our attendance, faithful in our giving, and a willing heart to serve. And so we need you. And so we'll be letting you know, um, infrastructure-wise, how you can connect. And, and we'll make that evident for you. So I appreciate your heart. Amen. So we're going to get into this tonight. I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 7. 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 7. And I was going to teach on the hearing ear tonight, but I could not shake this um, thing on spiritual order. And so we're going to get into this tonight. And then uh, maybe next week I'll deal with the hearing ear. But 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 7. Are we all set? We ready? Y'all ready for the word? Okay, let's, let's read. Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. Second Samuel 6, 1 They placed the ark of God on a new cart, that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. All right, I want to talk about this for a second. We're going to get into some some uh, context here. This has always bothered me, first of all, in the Old Testament, because you have Uzzah here, who's just a good soldier. He's trying his best to make sure that the ark of the covenant, because they're they're supposed to be bringing it back to to the city of David. <clears throat> and the ark of the covenant is like nothing that we've ever seen, especially at that time. Um, if you read Numbers and Exodus and you go through the chronological um, chronological books of the Old Testament, you'll see that there was precise instructions on building this thing. This was very, 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 very expensive. What I find funny is that they was commanded to build this thing from gold. And what's funny about that is where did they get the gold? They got it from their last place of deliverance. Called Egypt. Sometimes when God delivers you from a thing, He takes the resources from that thing to prepare the next way of provision for you. Come on, somebody. Come on now. So watch this. So here, here's what happens. They take the gold, they follow strict instructions. And then all of a sudden, within the instructions, they create this, this beautiful ark that has two cherubim, gold cherubims on each side, angels facing each other, right? That's a big deal, because in the presence of God, that's what we do. We face each other. It's behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Everything about the third dimension of God is us face to face. Not just with God, but with the expression of God, which you happen to be. Every time that you look at your neighbor, you are looking at an aspect of God that he revealed about himself in the earth. You may be looking at a son out of order, but still within all of the chaos, all real order is, come on now, all real chaos is, is order waiting to be deciphered. That's all it really is. I may look discombobbled in this season, but I promise you, underneath the stuff that you see on the outside, 
there is something that looks a whole lot like my daddy. This is why Paul said it is imperative, now watch this, that we know no man after the flesh. Why? You don't know each other after the flesh. We know each other after the spirit. I know what it looks like on the outside. Come on, somebody. But we, I don't know you after that. I don't know that person. I choose to see you by the spirit. People don't change because we point out their sin. They change because we point out who they are in sonship. You and I are a reminder, not in condemnation to somebody. You and I are a reminder of who they are in Christ. People don't change because you're telling them what not to do. They change because you're showing them who they really are. They're acting out because they have an identity issue. They don't realize who they really are. Our job is to preach to the world they have been reconciled unto Christ. Second Corinthians, come on somebody. Woo. This is just Paul stuff. <laughs> this is why he was persecuted. People didn't like Paul because they control people no more under his teaching. It's easier to grow a church you can manipulate. Man. I'm trying to teach. Are we ready? Everybody say order. I used to get mad at this because here he is. They're, they're taking this thing now and they got this beautiful ark and they, it was designed in such a way to where you could put wooden um, pegs through these rings, these gold rings, and then you could pick it up, and the priest would literally carry them on, on the shoulder, and the four of them would carry this ark, and this is how they would transport the ark, and this ark was literally the manifestation of the presence of God. Why was it so important? Well, it's not just because God's presence dwelt on the ark, also within the ark, Within the ark was the tablets of the law. Not only the tablets of the law, this is even the greater one to me, the testimonies of Israel. Every time God delivered them, they would write it down and put it in the ark. This thing embodied their God history. Ooh. Everything that they've ever went through with the Father... Every single victory they've ever had, because we don't remember some of the victories that we've had. Some of us get this amnesia when we're going through trials. Come on now. Some of us, it's hard to enter into his courts, come on, the way we're supposed to. You know, it, it gets a little difficult when you're going through to enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Because you don't forgot that he brought you through the last time. You're tripping because you got amnesia. You forgot the same God that was with you a year ago when you was in a mess is the same God that's not abandoned you right now. And here they are. They're carrying this history around. I just find it funny that God, that God the Father would give them strict instructions, like strict instructions on how to carry the presence of the Lord. And I used to get mad because here they're carrying it and Uzzah just touches it because the ox stumbles. The animal, this, this animal stumbles and all of a sudden Uzzah says, wait, 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 wait. He's trying to keep it up out of honor. And I would get mad. God, why would you strike this man dead? God never, ever told anybody in all of the Old Testament to ever transport the presence of God on the back of a mangy animal. He said priests are to carry this. Never an animal, but priests. Why? Because it is a type and shadow of the new covenant. We are, Paul said, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he dwells in you? We have the ark embodied now. Right? And, and this is why Peter calls us priests, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Right? This is all the setup as a metaphor to where we are now in the New Testament. But this is the thing. So they're carrying this, and David thought he'd be slick. Like, let's, let's save a little bit of shoulder work here. And just, let's, let's just put these, let's just put it in a way to where the animals get, because we got a long journey. And the animal that's not designed, it's not that he wasn't strong enough. The animals is probably stronger than the priest. The animals was probably more, 
efficient than the priest. They're used to heavier loads than the priest. But the difference was, God never told the animal to do it. The one thing that separated the priest from the animals is order. Uzzah did not die because of anything God did. Uzzah died because things were out of order. David killed Uzzah just as much as God did. It never would have stumbled had it had been done in order. The presence of God moves, and when it moves, it has to be in order. It has to be in order. If it is not in order, then it's not moving. I don't care how much people are going crazy. If it's out of order, it's not God. We're having emotional fest that go on in our church, and we call it the presence of God. If it's out of order, it's not God. Emotions are permitted in the presence of the Lord, but they're not to dominate the presence of the Lord. They're submitted to the presence of the Lord. Amen? So watch this. So 2 Samuel 6, this is, this is big. I put this down. We often blame God for the consequences of not having order. So David, the next scripture, we didn't have time to read it, but David gets mad at God for killing Uzzah. David never stopped to think. I was told how to transfer this. I was given clear instructions. Have y'all, y'all ever read Numbers? It's the most boring of all books. I mean, for four chapters, to, you get to the point. And it keeps going. For four chapters. And then it gives you, the, it gives you strict, for chapters, instructions. Not just that, Exodus, I mean Genesis, you look at Noah, strict. Why are they even in there? Why do we need to know the instructions? How come we just can't get the revelation of the boat? I need you to open up with me here. Why would he preserve the instructions and not just the result of them? Because we need to understand the importance of order. It's not just about what it manifests. It's given us a trajectory from point A to this finishing point. Right? So this is a big deal here because David is upset, but David was told with Patience, how to transfer the ark. And he didn't do it. And it wasn't the axe's fault either. He stumbled. The axe had an inability to understand what type of mandate was on his shoulders. Didn't have the capability to understand the responsibility that was. The axe probably couldn't tell the difference between the ark and the plow. To them, it's just work. To the priest, it's structure. It's so different. It is so imperative to do things the way God is saying do it. You know why we don't like order? Because it takes time. And anything that takes time exposes our fears. That's why we don't like order. We don't want to see us on the, from the inside out. Order is a must in order to take us to the next place. Let's swing over here real quick to Psalms 37.23. This okay tonight? Yeah. Psalms 37.23. Let's read here. David said, and this is funny. Here's the same guy. He's finally getting it. Watch what David says. After you just see something like that happen, no wonder he's got a revelation here. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. Oh, now you get it. Now you get the steps of the big, there's some importance to this. And he delights in his ways. That the steps 
of a man, or one version will say a righteous man, or ordered by God. But this is the thing that I love about the Hebrew. When you get into the Hebraic side of this passage, you look at the word steps. I love it. It actually means pace. It's not just talking about like ordered steps. It's saying, actually, I'm actually ordaining your speed. I'm, it's one thing to know where you're going, but you can still error in trying to get there too quick. Some of you have clarity on where God is sending you, but you move too fast. <laughs> your pace is also ordered by God. It, it, yes, I, I'll give you a glimpse of there, but let's slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. You're missing key elements. The journey is just as important as the destination. As a matter of fact, the journey is the destination. Every step in the journey is imperative to your process. Every single one, every conversation, every relationship, every yes, every no, every door open, every door closed. It is all playing a part in establishing what God is trying to do. In the life of, of, of that person. And if you run to your destiny, you'll get there out of time and it will not function the way it's meant to function. Timing is just as important as placement. Woo! You're teaching, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Come on now. We got to slow down. We got, I know we don't like that. But we got to learn to slow down. And trust the timing of God. Because you'll exhaust yourself if you get out ahead of the process. You'll find yourself having to kick doors open that was not supposed to be open at that point. And something that could have been favored to you is now in opposition to you. Why? Because you're there too early. There's a reason why babies that are born too early have complications. Come on, somebody. There's a, there is a time period. There's stuff that is happening in the womb, in the belly. There's nutrition. There's all kinds of development and things that are happening. And when they have to be born premature, what happens in that is there's complications that arise. And also, consequently, it's, it's also a problem if you're pregnant too long. They start suggesting C-sections and things of this nature. Because why? It's time to get them out of that season. And we're going to have to do what we got to do because some of us also, through fear, also stay longer than we're supposed to. You trapped in something out of commitment and God's been telling you you released a long time ago. Woo! Come on, somebody. Hey, love is always on the side of freedom. Not, it's never going to trap you. It's going to free you. I say order. I told you, God switched this thing up tonight. <laughs> All right. Everybody say pace. Matter of fact, just lift your hand and say, Lord, slow me down. Ooh. What they say? I heard somebody say, so what they say? What you say? Uh, Lord, see, I know I'm in the house, and because she said Lord real loud, and I said slow me down. She said, "Everybody say this purpose depends on order." Woo! Your purpose depends on order. The reason you're not successful at your endeavors has nothing to do with your talent. Has nothing to do with your giftings. Has everything to do with the order that God is trying to set in your life. <laughs> Come on now. You cannot get in your own way and expect this thing to flourish the way it's supposed to flourish. Amen, somebody. Just real quick, go over to John 9, just real quick. I'm, I'm not going to be too much longer. I just, we've already said enough, to be honest. John 9, 1 through 7. Watch this here. My God. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither this man, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We Ooh, must wait, work. wait, woo, woo. 
like Ric Flair. Y'all catch it? Nobody sinned. God allowed this infirmity to exist. That it may be. That it may be an opportunity for the sons of God to arise. I'm going to say it again. God allowed this issue to exist so that we may emerge. Jeez. Some of y'all are surrounded by issues and still not looking to your sonship. Surrounded by issues that seem to, you try to rebuke it away and it just gets stronger. Why? Because maybe the enemy didn't send it. I love, uh, what, I, what bugs me about the, I'm assuming it's Peter that said this stupid question. I, pardon my. Who sinned? Not everything's a sin issue, man. Not everything is an issue of somebody's sin. Sometimes, sometimes stuff just happens. It's not always the devil. Jesus said, nobody sinned, not them or their mother. I allowed this. It's an opportunity for the sons. I'm equipping you. You got to have something to be able to practice on. <laughs> Man. Well, let's continue here. Watch this. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While Isn't that I am funny? In... He uses those terminologies in the context of somebody who only sees night. He's blind. It's funny that he would use that to teach, like day and night type thing. I just, I, 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 when I read stuff, I, see, I hear stuff different than some people do. This blind man here is blind from birth. Can't see nothing. Never has been able to see anything. Here comes Jesus. He's getting ready to invade his world. Now watch what happens here. This is really critical that we get this. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. (laughs) When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. Okay, listen, I'm not spitting on nobody. Um... Listen, my brother wouldn't even let me do that. I, I, I just, it just dawned on me that I'm preaching the same passage that, that just blew up, went crazy. So, listen, the spit will not hit the fan here. Um, so we're not doing that. So, oh man, so let's keep it moving. No cell phones. (laughs) When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Right there. So here's the key. Number one, he mixes his DNA with the DNA that we're created from. Right? That's what's happening. His spit with ground were created from that. He mixes it up, puts it on the man's eyes. Now, that's not enough for healing. That's not enough for healing. It's enough for instructions. The first miracle was to get them to a point, to get the man to a point to where he would listen. Need you to get that. That was the first miracle. And then he says, I want you to go wash, not in just any pool, but I need you to go wash in this pool here, Siloam, which is translated in the Greek here, it's actually Aramaic, but it translates to Greek later, meaning sent, or apostolos, which is where we get the Greek word apostle, or apostle, which means the sent one. Now, apostle is not necessarily a spiritual term as the Church of America has made it. We've got goofy with it. Um, It is simply a Roman term that simply just means sent. 
Matter of fact, Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, who was considered through Roman historians a apostle. Um, he was an apostle. Why? Because he was representing Rome. Did you catch this? Him representing Rome was considered apostle. He was um, representing the interest of Rome in that territory. And so he was considered apostle. So this pool here that he says, I want you to go wash in, is, is critical because it is a pool. Now, this is the thing I love about the Greek word apostle. It does mean sent, but also if you look at the term apostle in collaboration with the works of the apostles, particularly Paul, part of the function of an apostolic mantle is to set order. We already know I've taught on the spiritual gifts. We did about five weeks on the spiritual gifts. We got the evangelist. We got the teacher. We got the pastor. We got the prophet. But the apostle's job is to set order and structure. Um, that's different. It's not just to prophesy and speak in tongues and do all this other stuff and give you words that, that make you feel good. It's not all that stuff. A, a apostle, a real apostolic voice in your life. First of all, they're going to be approachable. Second of all, they're looking to serve you, not be served. Third of all, they're foundational ministry pieces. Their job is to get to the bottom, set the foundation, and then we build from there. Now, their job is to set order and structure. And so a real apostolic voice will do this. I find it funny that this blind man was told to go wash in a pool of order. I need you to get this. I put this down if you're taking notes. Order cures blindness. I can preach to you about what you need to do till I'm blue in the face. You're not going to get it until you start setting order. Some of you will never understand the value of the gifts that God has put in your life relationally until you start taking steps in the right direction. As a matter of fact, when you're dead set on fulfilling and pleasing your flesh, people who are sent to you by God will feel like opposition to you. They will feel like the enemy to you. Why? Because they are trying to redirect you back into a place of order. Because without order, your purpose is not going to emerge. You hear what I'm saying? You cannot be out of order and expect anything to change. Nothing's going to change for the positive in your life if you are not willing to start setting order. Now, when I'm talking about order, I'm talking about even the most practical of things. Setting order, setting order, setting order, setting order. Pastor, I don't have no money. Would you got a job? No. Are you looking for a job? Well, I haven't really. I got a word from God for you. Go get a job. Go look. Keep looking. I don't care if they turn you down. Keep looking. Work at McDonald's until you can get some more time to look. Something needs to be coming in. Yeah, because you can't borrow from me no more, right? Like, eventually, you got to set order. you got to make these changes. Pastor, I don't have this and that and this and that. Well, there's, you know, most of our spiritual irritations can be fixed by a practical move. Then you know what you call it? Supernatural. It's setting order. It's setting order. Order cures blindness. That is a word tonight. He was washing in a pool that directly is tied to order. There's some things that you will not be able to see and hear my heart tonight, y'all. Some of you can't even see yourself in a different situation right now because you're so used to dysfunction. You're so used to making poor decisions. Why? It's not because you're a bad person. You just don't really love yourself the right way. You can always tell how somebody feels about themselves by the way they allow other people to treat them. What you entertain says a lot about how you feel about you. It's okay. Everybody just say order. 
I want, as a pastor, I want you to have life in that more abundantly, man, but I can't want it more than you do. You are one decision away from everything changing in your life for the good. I was over there worshiping tonight when we were singing. Um, Pastor Shawnee was up singing. God's been dealing with me on my own stuff, y'all. I'm going through some more inner healing. It's like, man, am I ever going to get healed? Um, I just keep it real. It's like, man, just take me, God. It just, just come on, man. You ever just want the rapture to happen? Like you're on your tippy toes, like. Come on. But I was over there and I'm, I'm looking. And uh, I had, you know, the vision thing last week was big for me. I'm being vulnerable here. Because it was, it was my hopes that it would ignite the necessary components within the work, workings here of, of ministry that would take us to the next level. I was over there worshiping. And you guys, if you ever noticed me, I worship to the side because I'm. I, I watch and pray, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm praying and I'm in worship, but I'm always watching. I looked, I said, man, half my church ain't here again tonight. Maybe they're online. I don't know. I can't see. Hello, guys. Um, but I was irritated for a second. I said, man, God, I don't know how to get them to realize the importance of this. I, I mean, I gave them PowerPoints. <laughs> And God said, when will you just give me this ministry? I say, like, oh, God. Here you go again. It's never their fault, huh? It's always me, God, huh? 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 Like, like, I'm about to go into my own little war center over here. And uh, he said, just give, them, give it to me. You don't worry about that. You do what I told you to do. And don't worry about them. I'll take care of that. And so tonight, I officially handed y'all over. I did. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about that stuff no more. If there's two, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have church. If there's 300, we're going to have church. I don't care. I, I know that my assignment is to people, and I love people. And uh, God, will, God will structure things the way he wants. Um, but here's, here's four things I want to give you in closing here um, that are enemies to order in your life. Number one is fear. Fear will stop you from making necessary decisions to structure your life in a way God can bless you. Did that hit? Fear will stop you from making the necessary decisions. Number two, you ready? Anxiousness. Anxiousness is an enemy of order. It'll cause you to get out ahead of yourself. It'll cause all of us to do that. We're anxious. You know, fear and anxiousness, it's Valentine's Day. They're celebrating somewhere this weekend. They're together. Fear and anxiousness roll together. It's an it's a intimate marriage between the two. Somebody who struggles with fear also struggles with anxiousness. Someone who struggles with anxiousness also struggles with fear. The timing of God is very important. Number three, enemy of order is offense. When you're offended, first of all, it says a lot about where you're at in your own identity. Number one, offense signals to us our deficiencies as people, as humans, as fathers, as mothers, as adults, as children, it says something about where we're at. When we're offended, why are you offended? If you follow, if you follow the pathway and you ask yourself why enough, you'll eventually get to the root of it, and the root of it is you. It has nothing to do with them at all. The root of an offense is always how we feel about ourselves, and typically we're mad at somebody who confirmed it. 
It's not that what they said is necessarily right. But when you're healed, it doesn't matter what they say anyway. Offense is an enemy to order. It will stop you from making the right necessary moves to set your life up the way God wants to bless you. Man, this is good tonight. Number four, and this may be the most critical, anger is an enemy of order. Anger will have you fight and fight so you're not even equipped to win. One thing I love in scripture is when Israel was, the Hebrews come out of Egypt. This was crazy, y'all. They come out of Egypt. The promised land, Canaan, wasn't that far away. It definitely didn't take no 40 years. God had them out there just, just introducing them to every parcel of sand that was created. <laughs> he just wanted them to know each speck of sand, I guess. They're out there for 40 years. A whole generation dies in process. They die in the process. They was going to take the shortcut. Moses knew where it was. Wasn't his first time leaving Egypt. But he was following God. And they was going to go that way, but the problem is the place where they was called to be at was already occupied. And the Bible says, for fear that they would seen them and seen war and ran. God led them. God knew that they would see an enemy they was afraid of and purposely redirected them. Well, how did he redirect them? He put them in a process because there was giants in the land that they was at. They was going to a land that was occupied by giants. God had to develop the giant in them first. So he kept them in a process. In order to grow them up so by the time they got there, they didn't walk into this thinking they're going to win or lose. Come on now. We know the story. God sent spies. The spies came back. Come on, Caleb. They came back. They said, no, no, no. We can win this thing. Their whole mindset shifted. By the time they got there, they was ready to fight. That's what the process is for. It's to kill the weakling in us. It's to grow us up. The, the desert is designed to change everything about us from the inside. The appetite, everything that was used to eating in Egypt, that had to change. When God is setting order in your life, the first thing he'll start is your menu. You don't have access to order the things you used to have. He changes your diet first. I'm not just talking about physical food, although that is probably a part. Amen, somebody. We're praying for healing. Listen, there's things you could do to assist that. We all got it. Trust me, I'm, I'm trying to be delivered from them jet's wings right now. I'm trusting God. I'm going to start tomorrow. Yeah, after the Super Bowl, I'm starting. I'm walking with God. Tomorrow, man, I'm walking with, after the Super Bowl, I'm walking with God. Unless the NBA's on Monday, I don't know, but we're going to see. But anger, here's the problem with anger. Anger will have you seeing things from a defense posture. And you'll, you'll start wasting time on stuff that is literally designed to distract you. Anger, I may do a series on anger, but anger is, there's a lot of reasons for anger. As a matter of fact, I probably will do a series on anger because I think it will minister to a lot of people. But these four, fear, anxiousness, offense, and anger, will stop you from setting order in your life. They're enemies of order. And I'm telling you, order is imperative. Even when we come into the presence of the Lord, order is imperative. Before we start singing our favorite song and our worship jams and all that stuff like that, it's imperative you offer your heart so that it's not just a musical. God don't do musicals. I know Detroit does. 
it's got to be authentic in worship. Jesus said, listen, he even said, man, they was giving offerings. Jesus said, listen, cut that out real quick. You got a fence with your brother? Go get that right. Before you give anything to me, go, go make that right. Why? That's order. Structure. I don't know what God's doing right now, but before we start talking about destiny and what we're doing in the future and all this stuff and legacy and all this stuff, start with ordering your heart the right way. Start with the little things, the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the order is, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know. The Holy Spirit's the one who sets order. We just follow him. It could be unforgiveness. It could be issues you got in your heart that you're not dealing with. It could be relational stuff, whatever. The Holy Spirit is really good at letting you know what your next step is if you surrendered. He's very good at that. And so I want to encourage you tonight to just take the steps to completely reconstruct your entire life. And I promise you, you won't come to church for joy. You'll come in with it. I promise you, I won't be preaching you out of a fear closet. You'll already be delivered. Amen, somebody. I promise you, your life can look a whole lot. It don't matter how many people's against you, how many people you've done wrong, how many mess ups you've had. Listen, none of that stuff matters. When you really make up your mind to start setting order in your life, I promise you good things happen. I was listening to an interview in closing here with Robert Downey Jr., one of my favorite actors. Everybody knows him in the Iron Man thing. You know, he really kind of started out the whole Marvel thing. Everybody knows history. The guy was an extreme drug addict. I mean, every drug, in the interview, he was laughing about it, but he's like, man, I did every drug. I created drugs. And he said, I did every drug. And he said, I would get parts and I'd get a million here or a million there, but I'd blow it all, blah, blah, blah. And he said, man... It wasn't until my last prison sentence that I sat in there and I looked and I said, wow, what are you doing in your life? He said, it's time to get out of your own way, man. And so he got out and he he made the necessary moves. He's not a Christian, but he made the necessary moves in his life to get sober and to completely make that decision to get sober. And now he is the highest paid actor in the world. That's one of the reasons why he, they killed him off in the Marvel. They couldn't afford him no more. Um, he's the highest paid actor in the world. His entire life changed once he started looking at his dysfunctions and setting order there. And saying, okay, I'm going to get out of my own way. Now, if God can do something like that with the life of an unbeliever, what happens when you and I, as sons, get out of our own way and start setting order? Seek ye first the, and all these things. Let's quit putting the things in front. That's not the first step to this. Seek ye first the kingdom. We please God, everything else falls in line. Amen? Can you just stand with me here tonight? You receive this? Everybody say, order cures blindness. Father, I thank you right now for people. I thank you for this word tonight. I know it was from you. And, uh, I pray, God, right now for those, and I'm being sensitive to you tonight, Father, as I feel you pulling on me. There's people in here that know the next step, but fear has literally paralyzed them from taking it. And I'm praying right now for supernatural courage. The type of courage that King David had when he stood before Goliath. And represented a nation. The type of courage that Paul had when he would preach knowing he would be stoned. The type of courage, Father, that only you can give. I'm asking tonight, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, that you begin to deposit that inside of them. That they leave here knowing that you're with them with every decision that they take. Help them, Father, to not worry about the consequences of what could happen, what should happen. All of those stuff, Father, is, will reason themselves right out of making the decision. Help them to only focus on what you're telling them to do. Their spiritual growth is imperative right now. So grow us up, Jesus. Grow us up, Holy Spirit. Grow us up. Matter of fact, can we just pray just for a minute? I just want you to pray just right now that ask God to grow you up 
to grow you. It's time for some of us to get off the milk and to grow up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grow us up, Father. Grow us up. Your life can look much better. Your future can look much better. The plans that he has for you, oh my Lord, if you would only just submit to the infrastructure, to the order, to the steps, to the pace, the pace of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Oh, I feel Jesus tonight. If we would just submit to the pace of the Holy Spirit, learn to slow down, learn to just walk with him, learn to just lean on him, learn to just move as he's moving, hallelujah. Learn to just move as he's moving tonight. Father, we submit our life. I submit my dysfunctions to you right now in Jesus' name. Hey, hey. I submit my past to you right now in Jesus' name. I submit my history to you in Jesus' name. I submit my baggage to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I submit all my torment to you in Jesus' name. Every thought that has held me captive in Jesus' name, I give it to you right now. I give it to you. I give you my conflict. You give me your peace right now in Jesus' name. I'm not going to worry about the decisions, Father, that that, that, that people are worried that I make. I'm not going to worry about any of that, Father. I'm just going to simply focus on the things you're telling me to focus, Father. Help me, Father, to have the courage to take the steps. I call order to my life right now. I'm tired of flirting with dysfunction. I'm tired of limiting my potential. Right now, I speak order in my life. I speak structure in my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I want revival like I've never seen it. In Jesus' name. Father, I want your presence like I've never seen it. In Jesus' name. So I speak to the people tonight. I speak to the people. I speak to the people tonight, Father. Order, structure, leading of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hey. In Jesus' name. You got it. If you want my heart, you got it. Come here, baby. If you want my heart, you got it. Let's sing that. Can we lift up our hands as we transition here?